Let's give that to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the word we've heard. Jesus, I pray, God. I'll be very honest right now. I, I've been dreading this for ever since I found out a couple weeks ago. Um, I really don't feel worthy to be up here, but I honor my pastor. Thank you for um, having to trust me to be up here. And I also honor my parents who have raised me in the church. So I want to get that out of the way. Once again, I really don't feel worthy to be up here, um, and I really don't consider myself to be a great speaker, but uh, so I do ask for your help because despite all of that, I really do feel God in this place, and I know you feel God in this place as well, so I ask that the word that God has given me, no matter how I do, that we can look past that and that we still respond to what God has for us because beyond the great message we hear, we hear it doesn't matter if it's pastor or if it's one of us or an evangelist. At the very core of it, we still need God. It's God who's calling to us. So that's my only request this morning. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to read two verses. I'm going to start at verse 24 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And it reads like this. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I want to read that one more time. I'm going to read from the New King James Version this time. Uh, same two verses, starting at verse 24 in the New King James, it says, Do you not know that those who run in, in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. So I'm, for my subject today, I want to talk about an incorruptible crown. Would you pray with me and then you could be seated. Lord, thank you for the word that we've already heard this morning or this afternoon. God, I pray you would be with me. God, I pray you would speak through me and that people would hear the word that you have for them. Let our hearts be open and responsive to you. Open our hearts, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You could be seated. I want to begin by asking a question that I hope everyone here would give some serious consideration to. Uh, and that question is this. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in five years? And with the number of people we have today, we're going to have a different response to that question for every single individual. And that's because we come from different backgrounds, uh, from different circumstances, and we're all in different stages of life. So to one individual, that question, or 
rather their answer to that question, they could be looking at retirement, depending on where they are. For others, they're still in the midst of their career, so they're wondering, you know, where, what's the next step for their career? Do they want to change careers? Do they want to go back to school? Uh, and for a lot of people here, uh, they're still in school or they're still studying, so they're even trying to still figure out what they even want to do with their life. I bring up the point that everyone's answer is going to be different because the beauty of the church is that not one of us is alike. We all have a different path. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He also, wrote, he also writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, that for there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. The beautiful thing about the church is that no one in this building has to look like me, and no one has to have come from the same background, the same education, the same school. We're all still the same body. We're all one. As I was preparing for this message, uh, something that God really shot on my heart is that if you go to Acts chapter 2, which um, Brother Kyle has already talked a little bit about today, and before I get into that, um, just as a bit of context, because I'm, I'm aware that most people here are members of this church, so they're very familiar with the Acts chapter 2 passage. Uh, but for those who may be visiting, it's your first time, or if you're newer to the church, you'll be hearing Acts chapter 2 a lot in this church because we believe that if we're going to build a church, we ought to do it the way the Bible says to. And so, and so we reference Acts chapter 2 a lot because... Well, that's the account of God's spirit first being poured out. And it's essentially the birth of the church. If you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, this is how it all happened. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. So as that happens, there's, there's a crowd there in Jerusalem, and their initial thoughts, since God, this is the first time God's Spirit's being poured out on all flesh, and they have no idea how to interpret what's going on, is that they, they think they're drunk. And so Peter, being aware of the situation, he gets up and he starts preaching to them, and he lets them know that, no, it's still way too early in the morning. These are not drunk as ye suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by Joel. And Peter continues to preach, and um, as he preaches, the crowd, they begin to, they become convicted in their heart, because it's, if they realize what they had done. They realize that they had killed Jesus Christ. So if you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 37, it says, they were pricked in their heart, and so they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is where we get Acts chapter 2, verse 38, which Brother Kyle already alluded to this morning. And this is what we want to base it on, since this is the first account of the church, Peter tells him, you got to first, you got to repent. Repentance is, that's a surrender to God. That's a desire and a recognition that I can't be the same person that I am. I can't stay in the same condition. I have to give myself fully to God. Yeah, as a kid, I always thought that repentance was simply asking for forgiveness. And while that may be a component of it, um, 
forgive, asking for forgiveness can be a very surface level thing. Um, I remember, I remember being in elementary school, and whenever someone would get in trouble, the teacher would always tell them that you have to tell so and so that you're sorry. But I always found it interesting whenever the kid would say they're sorry, but they always have their arms crossed, and you could tell they never really meant it, but they were just saying that because the teacher told them to. Repentance goes deeper than that. That's a full surrender to God. So that's what Peter says you have to do first. You have to repent. The second step there, he says, and be baptized, everyone of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And since I'm on the topic of baptism, um, I will address probably one of the biggest misconceptions concerning baptism. And that's this. Many people are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And while it says that in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, um, you're not simply meant to repeat that phrase when you're, when you're getting baptized. If you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38, you notice in the name of Jesus Christ. If you go to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, um, every account in the Bible where someone was baptized, it was in the name of Jesus Christ. That, only, that terminology, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, was only found in Matthew 28, verse 19. But if you understand that you know, someone can be a father and someone can be a son, and someone can be um, an employee, or they could be a student. You recognize that that is not their name, but those are descriptions or titles of who they are. So if we want to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And there you go. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost as a result which we know is evidence of speaking in other tongues, as it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when God's spirit was first poured out. So I brought all of that context uh, to say this. If you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 5, the multitude that I was um, alluding to that was listening to Peter preach the very first message of the church, it says this, there were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And I don't find it a coincidence that when God's spirit is first poured out, he did it at a time where there would be people from every nation gathered together from who spoke different languages uh, and from different backgrounds. Because once again, as, I, as the, I made the point earlier, this is for everyone. No one has to look the same and we don't have to have the same common interests. What I find so fascinating about the church is that there's so many people here where I genuinely have practically nothing in common with. So how, how does a group of people without fail every single Sunday at 1030 who have nothing in common, don't have the same career, aren't maybe not even born in the same country, they aren't from Spokane, they went to different schools, they were grown up in a different background. How are we always so consistent to gather together every single Sunday? And there really isn't a good answer to that, except only God can bring us together. So with that being said, I want to go back to the question I asked at the beginning, which was, where do you see yourself in five years? And for me... I only have my own personal experience. And for you, you're gonna have a totally different experience in your life. 
So there's no way I can really sometimes relate or really talk to where you are in life because we experience things differently. Just like how we all come to church and we don't have the same background at all. But what has to remain consistent, just like how we all rely on God to bring us together here every Sunday, when it comes to our ambitions and our goals, Jesus has to remain the priority in all of those. A couple months ago, uh, the 2020 Olympics were held in Tokyo, Japan. And the Olympics, of course, are intended to be held every four years. Uh, there was a five-year delay this year, obviously, because of COVID. And so countries all across the world sent their top athletes in various different events and uh, different, different events. And so that means for the last five years, these athletes have trained hard. They've watched their diet. They've had to make sacrifices, all with the goal of hopefully being on that podium and getting what the gold, silver, or bronze medal. And many of these athletes, this is the only recognition they're going to get for the work they put in. And for some of them, they compete, in, they compete in events where it only lasts a few seconds or minutes. So they train five years. They push themselves. As 1 Corinthians 9 verse 25 says, they were temperate in all things for maybe a few minutes of recognition and fame. And while there's something that's admirable about that, how they have been so consistent and have had discipline in their lives for five years, we have to remember that that is for a corruptible crown. So how much more for us as the church that as we go through life, we remember, we keep our eye on the incorruptible crown that is our heavenly reward. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. No matter what your goals, your ambitions are, it's good to have goals for yourself. It's good to seek the best career you can have, get the best education you, you can get, take care of yourself. All of that's good, and it's admirable, but it's all corruptible. So we have to remember, whatever your good intention and ambitions are or your goals are, we have to keep God our priority. I'm coming down the home stretch, and I actually, I think we could all stand. To conclude, I want to read from John chapter 6. To provide context in John chapter 6, Jesus is well into his earthly ministry. Uh, he's already taught. Uh, he's performed miracles. And he's gathered quite a following. And leading up to John chapter 6, verse, 36, verse 66, uh, some people are starting to leave him. Because they're offended at some of the things he says or some of the things that he does teach, it goes over their head. So if you go to John chapter 6, verse 66, it says this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Those disciples they're referring to, the gathering that he was accumulated, not his 12 disciples. 
But when he sees these people leaving, Jesus turns to his disciples in verse 67, and he says, will ye also go away? And this is what Peter says. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the son of the living God. You could preach a whole different message on that verse, but that's not how the chapter ends. There's still two more verses, so I want to read those. In verse 70, it says, Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you 12, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the 12. I find it very interesting that you can take Peter and Judas, two of the 12 disciples who were chosen by God. They walked with him every day. I'm sure Jesus gave them personal advice one-on-one. They followed him, so they saw all of his teachings. They saw all of his miracles. They heard the exact same thing. Yet, as Brother Logan already mentioned, if you go one year later from this dialogue, you realize that Judas has hung himself because he's betrayed God, and he couldn't take the guilt of his sin. And you have Peter, who's preaching the first message of the church in Acts chapter 2. So, to conclude, this is my prayer for everyone. No matter where you are in your walk with God, and no matter what stage you are in your life, this ought to be our testimony that one month from now, one year from now, five years from now, I want your testimony and my testimony be that we stayed faithful to our walk with God, that we're still in the church, that we're still seeking opportunities to serve, that we're still serving him, and we're seeking his kingdom first. Let's all pray. Jesus. God, I pray you would be every single person, God. You know every single need. Jesus, I pray for for every guest here, God. I pray, God, that they would feel your touch in Jesus' name. I pray for every single brother and sister here. God, I pray you would reach to their situation, no matter what their finances say, no matter what their health says, no matter what the doctor says, God. I believe, God, that you're able, God, to reach their need in Jesus' name. That's it. Let's keep praying because God's in this place right now. God, I pray that my life, God, that it be a testimony that I stayed faithful to you. That despite no matter what, no matter what trials and what troubles I faced, God, I stayed faithful. That I kept pushing forward. Brother Poindexter touched on this last week a little bit, but he talked about speaking blessing into the life of your brothers and your sisters, giving them encouragement. And here's the thing with Peter and Judas, which Brother Logan already talked a little bit about. They didn't have to both go down the same route. They didn't both have to, they didn't have to split off and have two totally different results. So... No matter what you're facing, if you're having financial issues, health issues, or uncertainty in your career, let me encourage you, stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God. And if you're, and if you're in a situation here today where maybe you're not in dire circumstances, look for opportunities to help a brother or a sister out. Speak life into them. Bring them encouragement. Help them. Guide them. Because we're all... We're all going to walk down the same road at the end.
guide them, help them, give them strength. One last time, let's pray. Jesus, I pray. Jesus, I want to spend eternity with you, Father. There's nothing, there's nothing that's worth trading away. That's it, keep praying, keep praying. Whatever needs you have, whatever uncertainty you're facing, present that to God. Jesus, I believe in you. My faith is in you. These altars are open if you want to come and pray. If you're a first-time visitor here and you feel God pulling on your heart, if you feel that touch, take that step of repentance. Respond to that. If you're a saint here and you're struggling, reach out to God. Respond to the message. Commit in your mind right now that I'm not going to give up, that I'm going to keep walking in faith, and I'm going to still keep believing God for that promise that he gave me a year ago, two years ago, ten years ago.